All right, this is it. Welcome to the first episode of the Faisal and Film podcast. Um, just to introduce myself to people who don't know me, my name is Faisal Hashmi. I was born and brought up in the UAE. Uh, I'm an independent filmmaker, and ever since I've been making short films here um, for the last six years, I think now, it's been a great ride because I've got to meet a lot of these creative filmmakers uh, that I've worked with. You know, the work I've admired, of you know, respected, and one thing that I've always lamented is. There is no dialogue between these filmmakers. There's no platform for people to hear stories of these other filmmakers working in this region and how they have, you know, creatively tackled um, things and how they have broken into the industry. And you know, sure, there are panels at events like Comic Con or, or other filmmaking themed events, but those are one-off. And if you're not in the audience, you don't get to hear them. So, um, you know, for for me, I was bummed out that there's no such platform. So I thought, you know what? Screw it. I'm just gonna try to make something like that and fulfill that desire of mine. So. This podcast is an attempt to to fulfill that gap and uh, speak to filmmakers. You know, as a filmmaker, speaking to filmmakers and hearing their stories and hearing the creative process, and uh, hopefully, it's going to be a value of, to you guys. I don't know how many people are interested in hearing stuff like that, but uh, I'm just going to put it out there and see how many people uh, are interested. And uh, you know, because. This is not a regular podcast, so it's not going to have a weekly episode or whatever because you know I'm busy and the guests that I have are busy. So, but but I'm going to try to do at least two episodes a month, ideally. So for the first episode, I thought there would be no better guest than the one who I actually was able to get on the show, and uh, his name is uh, Ali F. Mustafa. He's an Emirati director, and if you ask somebody what is the face of Emirati cinema, they would definitely say uh, his name. He is the director of City of Life, which is one of the first major films. From the Emirates, which was made on international level with uh, a lot of money, and uh, was was seen by a lot of people in the started of movement of uh, films being made in this country, which is still carried on until now. Um, and it's it had a large impact on the on filmmakers like us and the industry in general. So I thought he would be the first person that I would want to have on the show, and uh, I was glad that I was able to. His new film, The Worthy, is a post-apocalyptic thriller. It releases. Uh, this Thursday, twenty third of February, uh, the day that I'm recording this introduction, and uh, you know, if you if you like that kind of film, if you like that kind of genre, you should definitely go out and check it out. Uh, and over this course of this first episode, this one hour, fifteen minute ish conversation with him, Ali was gracious enough to share with us some interesting stories about, you know, how he got interested in film, how he broke into the industry, his experience at film school in London, and how he struggled for four years trying to get City of Life made. And the 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 joys of what happened afterwards, and uh, you know it's interesting because you always see people and their films later on becoming successful, and you always think it's going to be easy easy for them. You know, it was it was great seeing the films, but with this podcast, I think you get to see the struggles behind those things that you normally don't get to hear of, and you see that it's hard. Everything is hard, no matter who you are. Uh, you know, perseverance and commitment and going through struggles and setbacks is a very normal thing for anyone no matter what scale it is whether you're making short films or you're making big budget feature films the way that he was able to make and just one other thing i'm not a professional podcaster or you know an interviewer or a speaker or presenter so i'm learning this as i go along so just be kind and uh yeah hopefully i get better with it so sit back and enjoy and i hope you guys gain some information and some knowledge from this podcast and uh hope to see you at the end of it All right, so I've got Ali F. Mustafa uh, with me today. Uh, thank you so much for taking your time to to speak to us on the first episode of this podcast. Um, thank you, Faisal. It's it's um, it's, a, it's an honor to be the first guy to uh, to be in your podcast, and uh, it's uh, an amazing amazing initiative that uh, you've started. 
Uh, I want to start with just telling you a little bit of a story about how I got introduced to you. 2009, when I was in college, I wasn't doing film school. I was just a marketing student. Uh, I, it's it's an important year because I made my first short film uh, that year in the summer of 2009, and it was just a scrappy, you know, movie with shot on a handy cam. Just something I just wanted to see whether I can even do something like this. And uh, at the same time, I started working with this company, uh, Middle East Movies. It was like a freelance. Uh, it was like a movie review website, and I was just kind of doing freelance reviews for them. So in December of 2009, they uh, the editor of the website he messaged me and he asked me that if I want to visit uh, Dubai Film Festival because he can get me the accreditation uh, as press. Now, I wasn't aware of Dubai Film Festival until that moment. So I was like, okay, this is this is pretty cool. So I told him yes. So I remember the first film that I watched, unfortunately, <laughs> at uh, at the festival was Alvin and the Chipmunks 2, The Squeakle, <laughs> which nice. was on a Friday okay. children's gala, the first okay. day that I came. Uh, and for me, like this, I didn't have a car, so I was like taking buses and stuff from Sharjah, like 15 buses to get get to the place. And I watched that movie. And, and I remember when I came out of the... Of the of the cinema um, in Medina, it was, it was a Medina Tarina movie. Yeah. And I came out and I saw there was a line being formed outside uh, the cinema. And I was really curious. I was like, a movie just ended and why is there a line being formed outside? So I went and asked somebody in the queue uh, what this line is for. And he told me it's for a movie called City of Life. What day was that? Uh, this was, uh, yeah, this was Friday. I think the second day of, uh, after the festival. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. I just, just being curious, I joined uh, yeah. the queue. And I picked up a catalog while I was in the queue I, and I switched to City of Life and I realized that it's, you know, I was being touted as a Marathi f- uh, film and, I, yeah. and I'm looking through the cast and I didn't recognize many people but I knew who Sonu Sood and Jawa Jafri were because yes. I, I, I've seen them in Bollywood movies. So right. I was like, okay, I, I recognize some people here and let me, let me, let me see. I was, I was like, let me join. And I realized I was sent by queue because I think it was sold out at that time. Yeah. So I, I joined the queue and I uh, pretty much ditched the other stuff I was going to watch. I was like, oh, let me, let me check this out. So I remember I got in the cinema and, and watched it and I remember when I was watching it, I was so surprised because... I it looked it was like a real movie like I thought it was gonna be something like my movies I thought it was gonna be like a, a, a low budget kind of rough around the edges affair where it's gonna be you know it's like a first first film uh, kind of thing. We've but, all made you know yeah. scrappy rough around the edges films <laughs> yeah. you know uh, when we when when we're starting but we obviously try the more films we make the the more we try and improve the yes. work. I remember coming out of the movie and, and realizing that if this is a movie that can be made in UAE. I was like, maybe I can be a part of something like this. Maybe I can be a filmmaker here. Maybe I can try to be a filmmaker. Because before that, I made a short can. film, but I was not sure whether it's something viable to even think of doing in UAE or even think of pursuing. Because I was like, well, this is just a, like a cool hobby. Because there were a lot of big movies at the festival. Like Avatar, I remember, was in the closing movie of that, of that yeah. year. So I watched all of that stuff. And In fact, I think out. I remember. See, you did a review on City of Life, didn't you? Yeah, that's what I was I getting think, at. So I, think I, I think I remember that. I remember, I remember going back and, and uh, while I was doing all the big movie reviews, I was like, I want to I wanna review this movie because I had like a lot of thoughts about it. So I was like, I want to I wanna sit down and I want to you know, write a review of that movie. And I remember the editor of, my, uh, of the website came later and told me that I think you had messaged uh, the site and just kind of thanking us for the support or yeah. uh, on 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 the yeah. film. So I think that was really cool of you to do that. Because well, come on, man! I mean, it was it was my first film. I wasn't expecting uh, not even half of what we received. So uh, any support was was just uh, amazing. So I wanted to start start at the beginning, like when you when you were growing up. How important were films? You know, part of your life were you? Always interested in films, or was it com- coming later in when you were growing up? Absolutely, always, always. Um, in my old house, my uh, where we grew up in, my father had this gigantic collection of Betamax. Uh, right. He he, mashallah, he's uh, he's um, he has a good talent for um, doing um, having a large collection of of formats that were bound to be obsolete. Like he's, he <laughs> he started with Betamax and then he skipped VHS and he went and got laser discs. Right, okay. So he's a huge collection of laser discs, which again obviously aren't used anymore. But anyway, talk about Betamax. 
Um, the first films I saw uh, were um, Star Wars, uh, Jaws, Indiana Jones, a lot of the like the Lucas stuff, Spielberg's. Um, right. Yeah. And uh, the message, Rasala was a oh, film that yeah. I saw that I was just blown away by. So as a kid watching that, like seeing how they put all of that stuff together was absolutely inspiring. Like I wanted to be the guy who did that, you know? Um, and I loved watching a lot of action films. Like I wanted to be Indiana Jones. I wanted to jump from, you know, that window to that, you know, across to that cliff or off that car and, 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 and so forth. So all I did was... You know, I, I took my parents' uh, video camera, which was VHS at the time. It was this gigantic thing. Yeah. It, it was bigger than Alexa is now. Uh, <laughs> and I used to, you know, shoot my, my, my cousins. We used to make these little scenes. And they would be, usually be rip-offs of, of sure. other films. Like, you know, we'd do, you know, The Fugitive or uh, Cliffhanger and, and uh, Rambo. And, you know, we'd do all of those type of films. And... And, you know, if they, my cousins went around, that would be around my age, I would use my younger brothers, so the films would be start to look even more ridiculous because I would be just shooting babies and toddlers. Yeah. <laughs> and then I would rename yeah. the films Baby Batman and Baby Bond. <laughs> and uh, just because I wanted to shoot something, something yeah. moving. It didn't yeah. matter whether it was, you know, an adult or, or, a, t- or a child. Uh, and then, of course, if they weren't available or around, I would then... You know, late at night or early in the morning, I'd shoot my G.I. Joes and do stop motion animation. And I figured out how to do stop motion animation um, on my own, purely by watching films. Like I remember watching Jason um, and the Argonauts and and there was a scene where the skeletons would come out of the ground and I could see how the skeletons were kind of moving in this awkward way. And it looked like they were just stopping the camera and starting it again. So I tried that with the toys and... um, and that, and you know, there was my uh, my attempt at doing stop, yeah. stop stop motion animation. Um, so yeah, I just shot and shot and shot um, a, a lot of junk for a long time. And uh, I think when I was in my teens, my parents were like, even for oh, I think one birthday they got me like a really nice video camera. Nice. It was a handy cam, so yeah. handy cam, yeah. home video camera. But it was kind of like, it had a couple of more options. Where I could put titles and yeah. things yeah. like that, or fade in and fade yeah. out on camera. And so they knew that. I think they knew at heart that this is something um, that I was going to be following for the rest of my life. But I don't think it was already it was it was fixated in their minds that this is it. He's a filmmaker yeah. because I'm still a teenager. Yeah. You know, I might find something else. Yeah. Uh, my father is an architect by by trade. Uh, my my mother has an events company called Blooms. So they're both very creative people. Okay. Um, in fact, my mother went to drama school um, when she was younger. She she was a model and actress uh, back in the day. It's it's a very different time now. And uh, so, yeah, in the 60s, she was actually in the same class as Susan George, who, oh. funnily enough, uh, I put in City of Life wow. right, decades later, life, yeah. you know. So, I mean, it's a complete circle of life, yeah. if you think about it, and how that turned out. And I had a lot of friends at the time who were about, you know, 10 years older than me, and most of them were working at the time. So I wanted to make my own money. Mm. Uh, and... Um, that events company that my mother has, is Blooms, had a had a, a trade license. Part of a trade license was interior design. 
So I asked her if I could set up a division in the company of interior design, uh, which primarily started off mainly on designing wedding stages. Okay. Uh, the first wedding stage I designed was for my sister, and it was a secret garden theme. Because in the Arab world, you know, and, and especially, I mean, in, in the Emirates and in the Gulf states, we have pretty uh, extravagant wedding stages. Yeah. Uh, where the yeah. bride would sit on the wedding stage and then, you know, the, the groom would show up and they'd take photographs. And it could be anything from a secret garden theme to a gigantic uh, three-story Indian palace. Mm. Uh, and so those were the things that I would design. So I would draw them. Uh, well, first I did my sisters and people asked about it. And that's it. You know, our family was quite large where the word of mouth went around and uh, they started to approach me to design their wedding stages. And I did that for about almost two years. And uh, we became very successful at it, actually, uh, to a point where I was probably making more money then than I've ever done now. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and again, I was, I was 18, 19 years old. And, um, so that's interesting. You were using that as like a platform to be creative. And yeah, and uh, because look, I mean, there was no, there was no real um, way of me making money, making, you know... Uh, junk short films but w when I was doing it I'm like this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life I want to be a filmmaker yeah um, and so um, and obviously the stress of dealing with uh, the bride and, and the mother of the bride is, is not, is yeah, not the easiest thing so hectic. no money in the world <laughs> you know could, uh, could could you know could um, yeah make that uh, I guess tolerable um, but uh, that said, it, it helped me a lot, and I'll tell you how. Now, I wanted to be a filmmaker, so I thought the best way to do, go about this was to go to a film school. Yeah. I thought about this at the, um, at the time. So I did my research, and I, um, this is even when the internet was, wasn't too great. Um, and I was looking at places like Los Angeles, New York, London, uh, Poland. I, I just I checked everywhere. And obviously, being half English, my mother from London, um, you know, having property there and going there every year, London's like second home to me. So I guess it was an easier sell for me to try and say I want to go to a film school in London than say I'm going to go all the way across the other side of the world yeah. to Los Angeles or New York or, or, or whatnot. But then again, I, the more I researched, uh, I found the London Film School. I kept going back to the London Film School, but the issue with that was it was a master's course. And I had not done a bachelor's because right. uh, when I because before graduating from high school, I set up this company and after graduating, I was still doing that for about two yeah. years, you know. And again, that very much helped me. So the more I researched about that on the film school, the more I found out that you didn't necessarily have to have a bachelor's degree. What you needed was, um, I guess, work experience. Uh, you needed to ha critique a film. You needed to do a storyboard over a short film that you created as well as a script. You need to send uh, previous work. So I did this really bad Pepsi commercial uh, <laughs> when I was about 17. Like on spec? Uh, spec, total right. spec. No, I didn't know. I was not. A, <laughs> they had, I had no rights to do that whatsoever. Uh, so I used that. Um, and, and then what also what I had, which helped me a great deal, and I, I think that was the icing on the cake for them, was my portfolio of wedding stages, right. which was considered production design. 
Right, yeah. Oh, because cool. because they were like sets. Yeah. I mean, they were palaces. They were, you know, so many different types of designs and, and, and how we executed them. So I had this really um, large, extensive uh, portfolio of, of designs that we had done uh, over, the, over the last couple of years, which I had sent to them as my submission. Mm. Um, and I got selected. And I got selected to do uh, a master's course without having a bachelor's. And I told my parents, I'm like, guess what? We got in and uh, we went. that's it. It started. I went to the London Film School and that's how it, that's how it began. Um, now, the experience in the London Film School to me definitely was an amazing experience because it opened my eyes and actually how to make a film. Yeah. I thought I knew how to make a film. Obviously, I had no idea. Um, there was so much more behind it. And just you know, plop, uh, uh, plunking up a camera and saying you know, pressing record. Yeah. There was so much more behind it, and the parts that I guess I used to get a little bit um, tired of was the theory parts. Although that was quite important, but I'm more of a I, I love practical. I love, yeah. and that's what actual filmmaking is. It's a very practical um, medium, and so that's why I, I say you don't necessarily need to go to film school. To learn how to be a filmmaker, what you do need to do is try and get yourself on set, doing whatever you can. Yeah. But get yourself on set and observe and look, and and so you can touch, feel, see what's going on. Ask the questions uh, of what you need to ask. Film school isn't necessarily um, something you need to do. Um, and what I, the thing is, what I loved about the London Film School in particular is that it was very much also practical. Like every term, we had to make a. F um, a film, oh, okay. you know, uh, and every single person had to learn what the other crew member was doing. Like we all got a chance to do something. So it was my goal in the London Film School to do everything but direct right? because I knew I wanted to be a director. So I thought to myself, I should learn everyone else's job and, 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 and you know, see what they go through to respect and understand their craft yeah. uh, as much as I can. So eventually, when I am a director and I am speaking with that, my, you know, my yeah. crew member, you can speak I guess their language, yeah. you know, I can speak their language. Yeah. Um, so, so that's what I did. And because the thing, in every term, it was also this whole political game where everyone either wanted to be DOP or director, and that's yeah. all they wanted to yeah. do. And I don't know why. I guess I had this insight that at a young age, saying, you know what, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, even though that that might be could sound kind of cocky. Uh, but it was, I guess it was a confidence in me saying that this is what I was going to do and this is the way I thought that I should, how I should learn. Yeah. Like we, I was a sound recordist at one point. I was a camera operator. I was a DOP, uh, production designer, um, uh, grip, gaffer. Oh. Uh, so we did, we did a bunch of different things to, to truly understand what it was like being on a film set. So, but eventually when I reached the last term, I had to make my graduation film. And the graduation film, you had to um, do the field that you were actually interested in. So I had to direct. Okay. So... Um, that was the first short film? That was my first short film. That was, uh, it was a film called Under the Sun. Um, my brother, Mohammed... Uh, was in it. Uh, I think he was 12 years old at the time. It was basically around the time where 
you know, there was a lot of this Muslim bashing on the news. Um, and it was a very difficult time. I think it was around 7-7 seven, seven, uh, um, bombings in London. Right. And it was, it was, around, it was a very tough time, I guess, uh, for being a Muslim in that part of the world. Yeah. And I was at a stage in my life where I kind of wanted to make a short film that kind of spoke um, honestly about certain subjects and, um, and the perspective of a child growing up in that part of the world. So we came up with this script, um, and so we were given a certain period of time, I think it was about a year to, to make it, and uh, so I said I wanted to shoot it in Dubai. And when I came to Dubai, I uh, got close to some of the production companies, like Filmworks was one of them, and they, they, Filmquip was one of the biggest uh, rental gear houses in, uh, in Dubai at the time. And I approached them, I said, look, we're graduates of the London Film School. And they're like, oh, okay, so you know how to work the gear? I'm like, yeah, somewhat. And they gave us this old SR3 uh, Super 16 camera. Mm -hmm. And they gave us a, a small gear, you know, yeah. some tracks, some skates or dolly and things like that. They said, you know what, we'll support you, yeah. you know, which was cool. pretty really cool, cool of them. It was really cool of them. And uh, so we went out and we made this short film about a young boy, 24 hours in the life of this young boy um, who in the first day of Ramadan, and he sees what's going on in the news, and he just starts asking questions to his father, simply asking questions about Islam. Like, you know, um, do Muslims kill and, and so forth, and, yeah. uh, the, and what happens, and, and, and the father just simply, you know, uh, I guess ends it with, this, you know, the most simple response of Islamically, which is if you kill one soul unjustice as if yeah. you've killed all of humanity. Yeah. So it's, it was trying to um, shed um, uh, a good light. So I made that film. And at the same time, when I, was in du when, I, when I came back home, I was kind of like researching to see if there are other films or other filmmakers. And, and I found out about this, there was this competition in Abu Dhabi called the Emirates Film Competition. Yeah, at the film festival, yeah. No, this was before there oh, was really? even a film festival. Okay. No, this was Mas'ud, uh, Amrallah, um, and a few others got together and they created an Emirates film competition. Wow. There was no Abu Dhabi film festival at the uh -huh. time. Um, Dubai film festival was kind of, uh, I think it's like third or fourth year, and they were still, like, I think the first couple of years was quite small. Mm. Uh, they brought a couple of stars, but still it was something that was just starting. No one knew if it was going to continue. It was it yeah. was one of those events that was on the Dubai calendar yeah. that he didn't know where it was yeah. going. Um, so eventually, um, you know, after making the film, I went, for, I went to Abu Dhabi, actually, after making the film. Um, and I s went to the competition, and there was about th almost 300 films. Really? 300 films. Oh. Imarati short films again like wow. the films that we yeah. used to make growing yeah. up you know yeah. where it, you know, a lot of it was you know uh, not well made but there were some quite there were some decent ones out there and uh, and I think one of the films I saw was a feature film by Hani Shebani called Helm which again I mean quality wise it wasn't up to par but that's fine um, but it was a feature film uh, oh. nevertheless so the following year I submitted Under the Sun and uh, it won Best Emirates Film, uh, short film, that year. And it was the first, I guess, the first Imalati film to be shot on celluloid. Wow. 
okay. Because okay. most of the films before were all shot on video. Video, yeah. Uh, even the first feature film that I think was shot in the 80s was obviously uh, video at the time. Yeah. So then it put me into a whole different perspective of where we were in yeah. terms of the industry. Like, we are attempting to try and make films and short films. There's a lot of short films, and I thought short films isn't going to get us an industry. Yeah. So my main goal was, or, or what I really wanted to do was make a feature film. Right. Um, but now, now at this point, I need to now sustain some sort of a career and some kind of an income. So after making Under the Sun, I uh, went to the industry that was actually quite fruitful at the time, and still is, was the commercial industry. Sure, yeah. And um, I approached a couple of production companies and I assisted in any way that I could. Mm. Uh, there were times where, you know, I'd literally go around and hand trays of juice to people yeah. on set. Um, but I got close to the crew which was nice. So I would help sometimes with the grips, like like if they'd go and have to build a platform offshore, I would go with them and hand them like, you know, the screws and bolts and we go down and, you know, we'd, we'd tighten a few things and, and I'd help them uh, with their department. Sometimes I'd help the, the gaffers with their department where I'd just take rolls of, um, you know, of, of cables across to them. And so there was a lot of times I was helping the different departments mm-hmm. and I became kind of like this... Uh, handy guy on set that yeah. you know so eventually i wanted to be more involved where there was a commercial i remember the commercial uh, it was a, a beverage um it was actually it was a pepsi commercial i can say that and it did come back to pepsi i was a third i was officially a third assistant director on this commercial where i had my job was to control crowds right um you know, on on this on this football stadium. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so so basically, what we do is in, fi- in in commercials, you would not obviously have the budget to fill the entire stadium with extras. Yeah. What you do is you take, let's say, fifty extras, and put them like in one section, and then move them around, and yeah. shoot plates. Yeah. So then you would fill it up in 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 post. Yeah. So that was my job. It was to, to with a big wow. megaphone, and uh, I would kind of like move these crowds around and make them cheer at certain moments. And uh, so eventually, after a few commercials, I became second assistant director, where it went from controlling crowds to controlling a little bit less crowds, mm. uh, to eventually becoming a first assistant director, um, which I didn't necessarily enjoy. Um, but but it was something. It was just getting me a step closer to the director. Yeah. Like being closer to the monitor and closer to what was going on. Yeah. Right. And uh, I did that for a cu- for a couple of years, and I just I I thought it was I'm, I was ready. You know I thought you know I had I, you know I'm ready now. I can do my own commercial. I want to be a director now, yeah. and it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Uh, you can't just get up and say I want to be a director. No client or no agency is going to sit there and be like, yeah, sure, okay, we're going to give you X amount of money and uh, you're going to do a commercial on our brand. Yeah. No, it doesn't work that way. And it's a, it's a big catch-22 as well because in order for you to be a director, you need to have a showreel. And in yeah. order for you to have a showreel... You need to have directed... You need to have <laughs> something. Yeah, it is. You know? it is a- so, um, 
so what what I did was is that because I I got f- quite friendly with the crew and they're amazing guys. Um, and again, you know, like the gear houses, uh, they 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 I guess they liked me and re- respected where I was coming from and and would give me good deals on like on like the gear. And I told my my uh, my DOP friend who DOP'd uh, under the sun with me. He went to film school with me. He was a few terms above me. Michel Derix, who actually was the second camera operator on uh, City of Life, and he was the cinematographer from A to B. So I've worked quite a lot with him, and we've done quite a bit of commercials together. And uh, so the first commercial um, I did was a spec commercial. So what I did is I approached the ad agencies. I said, look, I'm willing to invest uh, in making my my own commercial by, you know, getting good deals with the crew and the gear houses and so forth. I said, have you shelved any concepts um, that you would like to get made? Because I'm willing to do it. Yeah. You know? And they said, actually, that's a pretty good deal. So they found this one um, concept uh, that they did for a client for Nissan, actually. It was a 350Z, the car commercial. And it was about a heartbeat and a sensor and a car seat and so forth. And and it was a pretty cool idea. Uh, And they said, would you do this? I'm like, sure. You know, give it to me. Done. Yeah. Uh, and I remember driving around location scouting with the DOP. And we'd gone into one of the car parks in Media City. And as soon as our car w- was going up the ramp, the sensor ahead of us picked up, picked up the car and started switching on all the lights on that floor. Yeah. And we're like, okay. So we went to then the second floor and did the same thing. It was one of those energy saver kind yeah. of uh, bulbs and a sensor would just... Any movement would just turn the yeah. lights on. And I said, wait a minute, this is actually a really cool concept. <laughs> How about we have this car try and beat the sensors to wow, the top of the right. car park? Yeah, that's a cool idea. You know? Yeah. Given this car being this you know, the sports car and, and you know, the, the having the agility and, I guess, the accuracy of, of how it drives... It would be a cool idea if this car had started from the, from the, from the bottom, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and uh, it started going all the way to 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 the roof yeah. while trying to beat the sensors and the lights uh, right until the end. So mm. it's it's it, it just you know, like uh, drifts into position, and then the light finally turns on, revealing the car. Right. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So I told them, look, if I'm doing all of this um, and investing and putting all my time and effort into it. I'm not going to do your concept. I'm going to do my own concept. What do you think of this one? Yeah. They go, you know what? We like it. Go ahead. Do it. They have nothing to yeah, lose. <laughs> you know? So I, we did the commercial. Um, we got it edited and, and it turned out pretty okay at the time. We shared it with the agency and believe it or not, the client liked it and bought it. Wow. Okay. Let's so whatever, <laughs> whatever money I, I, I put into making this that I saved up, yeah. I made back. And that was my, that was the beginning of my career as a commercials director. Yeah, wow. You know, so since then, that's that's where it kicked off. So I started doing It's a Lot commercials, um, and I did, did I did the It's a Lot Ramadan commercials. I did the Eid ones. I did um, other quite a few brands. I did car commercials, and so I started to get into the commercial industry, and it it was. We were do. I was doing okay. Like, um, I mean, you you get paid not as good in, at start as you as you would after yeah. 
you know, a decade or so of doing it. Yeah. Uh, but it was okay. Was that the fact is that it was I was moving, I was working. Yeah. Um, which was... Uh, and being know. like creatively involved in the project instead of, you know, just... Absolutely, yeah. you know. And uh, so, so it was... Like I felt like my, my life was actually going somewhere now. Right. You know, I wasn't... It was, you know, every, everything that I had done was reaching to a certain point and it was working. And then it hit me when I sat down with a, with a co- kind of a colleague uh, that I've worked with, an older guy who's still in the commercial business. And I asked him, I said, you know, doing commercials is great, but um, have you not ever been, you know, aspired or inspired to make a, a feature film? He goes, of course, all the time. And I'm like, but why didn't you? He's like, it's commercials, man. You get stuck in it. You just can't come out. And I just thought to myself, he's much older than me. He was, he was uh, I think he was in his early 50s. And I'm like, I don't want to get to that age and not have made a film. This is why I started this, right. you know? Yeah. And I and I didn't like that that excuse where oh we're stuck in commercials you know it's good money whatever and yeah. no and I said this is not what I want to do yeah, I want the comfort zone I was even yeah it just becomes you you get too comfortable and uh, so so yeah so I I I was married obviously at the time and I went to my wife and I'm like I'm gonna do something which is going to be very difficult um, for us. And I need your support. I'm going to try and make a film, but this means I can't accept to do any more commercials. I just need to focus on making this film. And, you know, I'm so blessed to have a wife like that who's so supportive, yeah. you know? Sure. And uh, alhamdulillah. And, and so she's like, okay, follow your dream is what you want to do. And, yeah, as difficult as it was, uh, I said... I'm going to start making this film. And I remember there was a guy in the agency who I met about that Nissan commercial back in the day who said, listen, I've got to introduce you to this location um, that's in Dubai. It's like a like a cafe because there's a guy there who's a Shah Rukh Khan lookalike. Okay. And I think it's fascinating. And he's like, I think you should do a documentary on this guy where he's playing Shah Rukh Khan you know, at night and during the day, he walks around the streets of Dubai and Karam and so forth, looking like Shah Rukh Khan yeah. and how his life would be like. And I said, you know what? Let's let's go have a look. And I went and I saw him and I and I remember even going backstage and meeting him and asking him questions. But I wasn't necessarily inspired. I wasn't inspired to do a documentary. But I was very much inspired by that idea. Right. So I said, look, I want to make a feature film. And I know that I want to make my first feature film about Dubai. Right. Because it's, it's obviously, you've got to make a film, at least your first film or whatever film it is, about something that you really, truly understand. Sure. Right? Yes. And so Dubai was something I, obviously, I grew up in and I knew any nook, nooks and cranny around the city and I've seen everything that you can to experience, you know, but, um, in the city from, from all uh, sectors, you know, from, from the Indian community to to the Western community, to obviously the Emirati, um, you know, society. It's, it's something that I really did understand. So if I was going to make a film in Dubai, 
I wanted to add that storyline about this this guy who kind of looked like this famous Bollywood yeah. star, but in fact, you know, he just lived in in in, in Karama and he tried to. He had the aspirations of becoming a Bollywood star, but he was just a lookalike at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, how far can you go looking like someone yeah. famous? So that was a concept that I liked. So I said, if I was going to do a film on Dubai, it couldn't just be a, couldn't just be about this Indian character. Right. Although that was the whole story that I had. Yeah. So I added the element of um, the Himalati character, which was quite a lot of stuff that happened in my personal life. Right. Um, in fact, actually, one of my best friends growing up, uh, not a lot of people know this, but one of my best friends growing up, um, the character Khalfan was pretty much based on him. And he, he died in a, in a similar way. Okay. Uh, so there's a, lot of, there was a lot of elements that I took from my personal life and I put into that Emirati storyline. And then obviously the Western storyline, which was, I guess, the least developed of, of, of the movie, uh, which is something that came came later. So it was it was something that I thought embodied really what Dubai was. You know, all of the societies, you know, you had the expat life, you know, the, the Indian community, which was the majority really of, yeah, of, sure. of the country. And then you have the, the minority, which is the Emiratis. Yeah. And I thought that would be a good concept for a film. And in fact, I think the first uh, name of the, the first title of the film was The City That Cares. Okay. Which was, which was, I think, uh, a slogan from some kind of uh, Dubai uh, shopping festival or something <laughs> like that. I can't remember. And then, uh, so I had the idea. Now it was about me getting the script made. Right. And so I started looking for writers, and we didn't really have much writers in the in the country at the time. And there was this one guy that came to me, and he's like, "This is my work. I'm a." He was an English guy. I'm a writer. Um, but I remember it, that it was really expensive and I could not afford it. Yeah. Um, but I really wanted to get it done and I was very adamant on trying to make this work. So I ended up selling my car to pay for the first draft of City of Life. Mm. Uh, in fact, I don't think I've, uh, I've had a car since. <laughs> like I have not bought myself a car mm. since I sold that car. City of Life. I was very privileged enough that later in my career that I became ambassadors uh, yeah. for certain brands where one of them was a car. <laughs> so I, I was given a car. Uh, but uh, since I sold that car, uh, I made uh, the first draft of City of Life, which wasn't great, but we kept, I think it was draft 28. So you were working with the writer? Uh, I was working with the writer, but I worked with the writer only for a couple of drafts and then I had to move on because yeah. I wasn't really feeling where it was going at the time. And then after that, it was about approaching then a production company to kind of like, support me on this and this is around the same time that i opened my production company and it like well got myself a trade license so yeah. i could officially have you know all of what i was doing trademark copyrighted yeah. under a company yeah um and that was afm films right which was the same name i used to give all of my rubbish short junk films growing up as a child <laughs> it was always afm films presents even with that little shaky kind of logo thing <laughs> yeah. in the end with the vhs yeah. afm films presents so eventually it became my the, actual, the real thing. Yeah. The real thing. And um, which I don't know, as you may, may know, it's also my social media account. Yeah, so yeah, everything is. is like AFM, yeah. um, which is my initials. It's Ali yeah. Faisal Mustafa, yeah. which is credited in film Ali F. Mustafa. So I approached a production company, which was Filmworks at the time. And they were the only production um, who were 
really had experience in facilitating films. I think they had done The Kingdom and, and, and uh, Syriana before here. So these guys knew what they were doing. Right. And I remember approaching God rest his soul, Tim Smythe, um, with the concept. And uh, he read the script. He's like, you're not there yet. <laughs> I'm like, okay. He's like, come back when you're ready. Ah, I was like, okay. So I remember going back and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting. And while I was doing that, I had made this presentation. I'd made like a book with like, like artwork, um, concept drawings, uh, potential cast. Yeah. Um, I don't think any of those, I think only two of the potential cast I put in the actual thing who actually made the film. Really? Uh, yeah, the narcissist was always in my mind, Yasin Salman to play Khalfan. So he oh. was he was definitely there. He was excellent. I think he was also my, one of my favorite you know, characters in the film. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, he was he he's brilliant. And that was that was his first movie. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so I, while I was trying to work on the script, I said I had to kind of have some kind of development money or at least something in the bank to just to get the ball rolling or at least to to to, to make the production company or anyone else take me seriously. So I remember going over the script and I said, how am I going to raise financing? I'm just nobody who wants to make this movie about Dubai. Why would they give me a dime? You know, so I would look over the script. And I'm like, look, Dubai are very much um, known for advertising. You cannot drive a meter across yeah. Shehzad Road without seeing billboards and advertising. So I looked over the script and I understood what product placement was and I could see that, oh, we have a scene in the airport, Dubai airport, we have a scene we could easily shift and put it in Dubai duty-free. Oh, this raffle ticket could be based around the Dubai shopping festival. You know, So I started throwing in brands right. that were um, obviously, organically. Or, or, but organically, yeah. organically part of the film. And the first person, uh, well, the first uh, entity to support me was a Dubai shopping festival. And uh, God bless uh, Sayyid Naboud at the time. He, I sat with him in you know, several meetings and uh, he's like, I, 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 I dig it, you know? And I got my first check wow. from them. Um, and as I had my first check, the ball started rolling. And when, when the production company knew that, the script slowly got closer to being ready yeah. and uh, we were we were slowly in development and proper into getting into pre-production and I got Dubai Airport supported me Dubai Duty Free supported me Pepsi got involved uh, so this film was actually happening wow. it took me although it may sound uh, quite fast it took me about four and a half years wow. from uh, from the concept from going to the Bollywood Cafe but so you, you you did that hustle of like trying to find people on yourself just waiting for funding to like come to Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Look, I always say this all the time. If you want to get something done and people say no, you keep knocking on doors till your knuckles bleed. Yeah. Otherwise, nothing's going to happen for you. Yeah. That's and, and that's what I did. I mean, this, that film was literally blood, sweat and tears yeah. to make that film. Um, so we eventually uh, reached the stage now where we're in full on prep. We managed to get some cast. People are excited. We're doing the first, you know, international kind of standard, you know, film coming out of Dubai. Um, and it was exciting times. And I, oh, I was all of a sudden a, a becoming a director. Yeah. And um, 
then it started to get a little bit tricky mm. because in order uh, for you to shoot in Dubai, you need shooting permission. And to get shooting permission, you need the National Media Council to approve your script. Right. Uh, my script was not getting approved. Wow, okay. So it was six and a half months, I guess, of driving back and forth to Abu Dhabi, appealing, saying, please, you don't understand. We need to make this film. We can, if we don't make this film, how are we going to be able to create any form of a film industry if a film like this is not even being allowed to get made? Yeah. So I think they got sick and tired of seeing me <laughs> where they said, look, this is our compromise. By the way, we had raised quite a lot of money. Uh, to make this film. I say a lot of money. It's still the biggest budget film I've done. Wow. Um, in fact, I don't think it should have been as big as it was, but it mm. was very expensive to shoot at the time and there was mm. no zero incentives. They said, you can go out and make the film, but only when it's completed, mm. we will all sit down and watch it. And if uh, we deem appropriate, it will be approved. Oh, okay. That's pretty uncertain. <laughs> Can you imagine your first movie? You're going out and making a multi-million dollar film knowing that it will never see the light of day. Yeah. yeah that's a lot it of pressure. Might. There's a yeah, lot of pressure. And the only, per- the only people that knew that was me and the producer, Tim Smart. Okay, that's smart. <laughs> you know, we couldn't yeah. tell anyone that. Um, so I took it with both arms. I said, yes, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we went out, we made the film, and uh, and it got a lot of buzz in the city. People saw shooting around the ta- around town. Uh, you know, the, we did the car crash scene. Uh, RTA was supportive. A lot of people were really supportive, like the civil defense, the police. Everyone was once that film got kind of green lit ish. Yeah, we were, got the support. In yeah. fact. Uh, um, there was a couple of sheikhs that showed up on set. Uh, Sheikh Mohammed, I think, uh, drove by our set one day. I, I wow. think it was completely coincidental. Wow. And I went out and met him, and he's like, what are you guys doing? I'm like, you know, we're, we're shooting this film. So Abdul Kabi was there, so he introduced me. Yeah. And I'm like, we're doing this film because it's called City of Life. And he goes, okay, great, all the best, and drives off. You know, and we're shooting in the middle of the desert. And uh, so there was this amazing buzz and vibe uh, when we were shooting the film. In fact, the reason I called it City of Life is because Dubai's uh, oldest nickname is Dubai Dar al Hay. And Dar al Hay is exactly translated to um, Dar is, is like home. Mm. Uh, al Hay is kind of like it's life, right? right? So it's home of life. Mm. And I want to call it home of life yeah. because Dubai became a metropolis since that name was given. Yeah. So we call it City of Life. Yeah which I wish I was able to monetize because the amount of people that call Dubai City of Life now is only started because we made that movie. Yeah, you'll <laughs> yeah. you know? Hashtag City of Life is Dubai. Dubai you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it, it, that only started for after the film was made. So we went out and we made this movie. Yeah. How long were you, did it take you shooting-wise? To, uh, it took us about 34 days to shoot. 42 locations, wow. yeah, were 34 of- days. That's insane. Which is also pretty insane. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was pumped, and it was my first movie, and it was, I guess it was a big movie, and and I think everyone had a pretty good time making that film. Then, then it was the editing process, so we edited the film, and we got it down to, to a length we liked, and now it was, you know, the time where we had to screen it, yeah. you know, to the group of people. And so we took a little hall in one of the hotels, 
and we had a you know projector and we screened the film and uh, there was about 15 people in there and Kandoras mm. and yeah. Abais and uh, the film finished I was standing at the back by the door and people just started walking out saying well done thank you well done just walking out I'm like okay what now what next and I remember running down to the valet where they were all waiting for their car I'm like hey so what do you think is it approved and the guy's like look it's uh, interesting uh, but I think you should speak to that guy and he would oh, so I'd go to that guy so I'm like so what do you think of do you think the film's approved and it can get released? You know, people get to see it. Look, I uh, I respect what you you guys have done. It's 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 interesting, but ask that guy. And it like the buck kept being yeah, nobody passed. Be the one no one it. wanted to to be the one to say yes, it was yeah. approved, and it was a very interesting. interesting time. But the director of Dubai Film Festival was at that screening, and he did ask us if we would have the world premiere at Dubai Film Festival. Right. And we were like, absolutely, but we don't have you know officially you know the the go-ahead the yeah. green light and it's weird when it's not a yes i don't know either it's just like yeah it's in limbo. yeah so he says anyway we're gonna announce it <laughs> so he did and it was in the paper saying world premiere dubai film festival city of life finally i think it was a few weeks before the world premiere i got a call from someone high up in the media saying ali listen i'm really sorry but I'm about to send you a fax. This was when we used to get faxes. Right. <laughs> and uh, there's not much you can do about it. And uh, again, I'm sorry and uh, all the best. I said, okay. And I wait for that fax and that fax starts coming through. Shit, and it was, uh, I don't know how much I can say really, but I'm going to say it anyway. But it was a fax from someone very high up in the media. Like if not, it was the top with the t it's sitting in the desk of the top uh, media office. Hmm. And the paragraph stated, this film will not be distributed in any shape or form, meaning the film was banned. Wow. Damn. I'm like, what? <laughs> We're about to have the world premiere. How is this possible? And they're like, well, this is how it is. And I'm sorry. And so I... I uh, I didn't accept it. I didn't accept it. I said, look, I did not make this film on that individual city. I made it on the city of Sheikh Mohammed. Yeah. And if Sheikh Mohammed says that if he sees the film and says, no, I will accept it 100%. Yeah, makes sense. But I'm not accepting what this guy is saying to me, especially after four and a half years of trying to make this film and finally making this film and then getting that letter yeah. it's just unacceptable you can't accept it yeah. luckily uh, one of our main casts Rudal Kabi was quite familiar with uh, the Gasa the palace and, 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 and them so I told him to come to the house and I gave him a DVD and I said I want you to present this to Sheikh Mohammed Barashid and I want you to tell him when you present it, that the fate of a Marathi cinema lies on your decision of this movie. Wow. And he said, will do. And I was invited to Doha, the first Doha film, the Tribeca Film Festival. And I'd gone over with Tim, and it was still, I think it was a few weeks away from uh, Dubai Film Festival. 
And I was sitting in this in the hotel room with Tim, and we were thinking of like this rescue plan. What are we going to do? We were just holding our heads, like, what are we going to do? Yeah. And then my phone rings. This is a couple of weeks later. My phone rings. And uh, I saw so so I picked up the phone, and he's screaming down the phone, <laughs> screaming. He's like, Abruk. <laughs> he's like, which is congratulations. I'm like, what happened? He's like, Sheikh Mohammed just called me personally. And he said he saw the film. I said, what did he say? He said that he really, really enjoyed it. And that we should be so proud of what we've achieved. And if you need any support, I'm there. And wow. so he asked him, so it's, so it's approved? He's like, why shouldn't it be? Wow. And he put the phone down. And I'm like... That's it. I guess that's it. Yeah. I guess that's it. I guess the film's <laughs> gonna get released, and that's what happened. I mean, I think that's a testament to like him being able to, you know, see ahead. And, of course, and the man is a visionary. Look yeah. at the city we're living in. Yeah. I knew that if he saw this film, he would understand the vision behind yeah. the film. We're not trying to make Emiratis look bad in this movie. Yeah. We're just you. You have to be able to make films um, with some, I guess, realism. Yeah. Um, not representing an entire nation. You're just certain characters in the yeah, movie. What characters? To, to, to give it that dramatic element to make the film somewhat entertaining for, for people to be able to watch it. Now, for someone to understand that, I'd, there was no one else who could but him at that point because it was something that was so new. Even people who were the heads of that field could not make that decision. Oh. You know, so we were very, very, very lucky so smooth feeling after that, I was like, in terms yeah, of absolutely. Film, although they made they made it rated R. Okay, wow. Although really? it was only, I don't think it should have been rated fifteen. The movie yeah. they made it rated R, which you know we lost a big chunk of our audience. Which we do, it doesn't matter. The film still did really well in the box office. We did not expect it. Um, and just so after it released in 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 Dubai Film Festival, I think April twenty second. The following year, it was released theatrically Kinsale, and it was yeah. in the cinema for nine weeks and we were just blown away. We didn't even have any marketing budget. Yeah. It was just because the film received such a strong word of mouth yeah. before uh, yeah. anything that I guess that the film did well. And it catered to a large audience yeah. in uh, in Dubai. You know, it had, you know, the the, the, the expats, any community, the Malati community, they, you would go into the cinema, I'd walk into a cinema and I would see that crowd yeah, watching that it film. Really, it's really like there's something for everybody to kind of see themselves in the in the film like because yeah. I remember I showed the movie to my to my mom and she really, she really loved the whole you know Sonu Sud's character and the whole in the struggle that he was going through but I think that's the, the thing about the movie is that yeah. there's, there's enough for that anybody in Dubai will see themselves I think exactly. anybody in the world will see exactly. something that they can, they exactly. can resonate with in, you know in looking back looking back at that film like I'm very proud of what that film achieved um, and where it got us right I'm proud of that part, but I guess looking back at that film, it is in the it isn't the best uh, is the, the, the most, most well made film, right? But it was a debut, and we had to make it given the situation we were in, because we literally got our last piece of financing when the financial crisis hit. Well, all right. So uh, if we did not start then, yeah, the film yeah. would never have been made. So. Script-wise, it could have been better. So many things could have been better. But again, what that film did, it really it opened a lot of doors. 
like even now, like when you make films, the National Media Council have become such so much more lenient towards productions, and it's I guess it's that path you have to go through yeah. to you know for things to change. You yeah. know, if you don't go through it, it's just going to yeah, stay the same. The same yeah. You know, so in terms of that, you know, we're very proud of what that film achieved. And then you know, I thought after that. It was going to be smooth sailing. I'm going to make another film very quickly. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you. I know, like that movie came out in 2010, and then there was quite a long. Because I remember I was reading some interviews with you where you where you mentioned that you want to make a second film, and you mentioned a road trip movie. And yep. I was like, okay, this is probably going to happen like really soon. I remember it took yep. a while for that whole thing. It to took happen. another four years. <laughs> it took another four years. What to was make. the struggle there? You know, now that you've made the movie already. Uh, script script was definitely something that we had to try and get uh, better. We went through several different writers. All good writers, but all all very different. Uh, and also, again, financing. I uh, I remember I got two four fifty four who do not finance films yeah. ready to finance this half of this movie. Wow. Uh, I had an individual who wanted to put some of it. Uh, that uh, that didn't work out. But Image Nation pre the new management mm-hmm. were interested, and then. Then we're not interested. So it was a long process of me trying to raise the financing for this, getting the script ready. And eventually the new management came along, which was um, headed by Michael Garin, Chairman Mohamed Mubarak, and head of uh, TV and film, which Ben Ross, who actually got got it, right? Who oh. know what they're doing. And um, they read the script. And I'm like, yeah, we're in. So it was 50% financed by Image Nation and 50% financed by yeah. 2454 eventually. And uh, so, yeah, so... So when you were uh, writing that movie, like when you were like, okay, what's my next project going to be? Did you did you consciously make an effort to make something very different from City of Life? Or did you think that maybe that's going to be, uh, you know, harder for you to sell? Like maybe a movie in the similar vein of, of City of Life maybe more about Dubai would have been an easier sell because it's like your brand maybe or was that no a, but see, see that's the thing I did a film already about Dubai I'm, yeah. I'm from the Emirates yeah. I'm, I'm, I may be from Dubai but I represent the country so I did a film about Dubai and I thought it was important that my my second film doesn't necessarily be about Dubai again so I said let's do it about our capital city Abu Dhabi I said that will be our base that's going to be the base and I, w- and I was confused whether I wanted to make a, a genre film a horror film or a or comedy, I just wanted to do a different genre to what I did last. Like I did in film school, I just constantly wanted to learn. I wanted to develop myself as a filmmaker by doing as many genres as possible. So, I remember my uh, my DOP friend, Michel Derix, tell me, listen man, road trips are fun to do. Why don't you try doing a road trip? Yeah. I'm like, that's a cool idea. Let's try and do a road trip that's very unique. So we said, we the base would be Abu Dhabi. And where would they go to? We thought, okay, I, I, I think you know Lebanon, Beirut's a very cool place. Imagine what would that journey be like. They go through Saudi, which might be you know could be yeah. interesting. Could have okay, so some yeah. level of love of I guess of comic relief there that would could work. Um, you know, then you have Jordan, which you know the beautiful uh, historical landscapes. You have war-torn Syria, which was just starting at the time. Yeah, I uh, and I remember our script kept changing because it started getting worse and worse and worse. We're at a point where they couldn't actually um, drive through Syria anymore. So we had to stage our film in 2011 where they were just able to drive through right. there. 
so yeah, so we had to keep like adjusting it given to you know the yeah. situation in the region, yeah. you know, the uprise, and um, and we thought it would be a very cool place to end in Beirut because Beirut is notorious for its amazing you know nightlife and uh, and having a good time. Yeah. So that was a cool journey. So that was that was I guess the idea of making a road trip and making a unique road trip for a part of the world and that's where from Abu Dhabi to Beirut from Airbnb came from um, and started and so, yeah so we shot that film so what was the big uh, what was like one lesson that you learned while filming City of Life that, that really helped you when you were making uh, you know from Airbnb like it was, was it something that you carried forward in terms of this is what I want to do differently or is that is this something scripts I wanted to make sure the script was better number one okay uh, again we worked on it. We worked on trying to get it better in terms of the dialogue, the story, what happens. Um, although the, 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 the beginning could have been tighter. Look, I mean, if, look, look, look sure. at me. Everything I've done, I keep going back saying could have been better. Sure. Could have been. Yeah, that's, but that's, 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 that's the nature of the beast, you know. Um, so, yeah, every film is different. So there's only so much you can take with you from the last yeah. one. Uh, like when I went and made The Worthy. I mean, it was so different to, from City of Life and from A to B yeah. that you always have to look at your films in a, in, in a new perspective. Yeah. How would you tackle this film? Yeah, every film is a challenge if it's kind of... Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And A to B was made and it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was difficult because, again, we had to shoot in like four different countries. Again, we shot in 34 days. Wow. Uh, wow. I think it was even 32 days, A to B. Um, Excuse me, it was twenty nine. Twenty nine. Wow. Oh my god! Wow, that's yeah. So it was. It wasn't. It wasn't for a road uh, trip movie. That's like in much yeah. Movie, but and insane. also, I wanted to make a film that was a f- much smaller budget than City mm. of Life. Mm. And you know, because there's, there's, there's obviously the, you know there's groups out there saying, oh, of course, City of Life is a good film. He had a lot of money. You know, right. it doesn't really work that yeah, way. Yeah. You could have you know a hundred million dollars and, and you, make yeah. a bad film. So I wanted to try and make a film for a lower budget, so also it had a better chance of actually making money right. in the cinemas. Um, and yeah, and uh, no, unfortunately, it didn't do great in the cinemas. Mm-hmm. Although I still pe- people come to me and say it's the best thing that they've seen of, of my work. Um, so yeah, so then there was that. So how after you made that movie and how because I know the worthy happened much sooner compared to uh, yeah you know the, the the gap that you had between I'm spoiled life. now so now I, so now so how did that come about how did you get involved with with that project so soon after look I was in the editing uh, room well the editing stage as well of from A to B where I got approached by Imagination it was Ben actually who said hey we got the script that we really like. Um, it's a very different genre. And it's something that's not really been made in the region before. Would you be interested? We think it's kick-ass. Like, they it kept on saying, yeah. we think it's kick-ass. They loved it, you know? So I'm like, oh my God, I got to read this, yeah. you know? And I remember reading it going, because it was quite gory yeah. and it had that saw element. Yeah, and did, yeah. I'm like, it's not really my kind of film, right? Then I'm like, wait a minute. They really like it. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm reading it wrong, <laughs> or something. <laughs> um, and I have the opportunity to do it fairly soon. Yeah. I'm not gonna wait four years. So there was all of these elements saying, "Go for it! Go for it! Go for it!" 
And I remember not loving it at first to when I finally said, yes, I'd, I'd love to do it. And we got closer to actually making it and developing it where I sat down with Rami Asin, the producer. Who I, th I, th I felt kind of felt like what I felt when he first read it, you know? Mm. How when we sat down and how we tried to make it our own mm. um, and more and have a bigger reflection of what was happening in the region. Yeah. So when we Arabized it and we gave it a little bit more depth and no, and I love post-apocalyptic films, man. Yeah, and knowing that I was got the chance of making a post-apocalyptic film, I don't care of the genre. I this was just an amazing opportunity. So the fact so, that it was the first movie that you haven't uh, written, like it was written or produced, yeah. So how was how was that experience different? Like how did you find your own I way into the material? I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the process. I really because at the end of the day, I couldn't be blamed for the writing number one. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> no, the, the, no, but but I I basically was reading someone else's work, and I would turn the page, curious and excited to know what was happening next, mm -hmm. right? But I would visualize what was on the page. Right, so it was about having whatever my my vision was come to fruition. Right, yeah. so it was it was creating this world that wasn't necessarily from my head. Yeah, which was right. very interesting, uh, but making it my own. Like, yeah. how would I create the yeah. world of that? What was in that guy's head? Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So there was a lot of room, and this is what I loved about imagination. Because I said, "Look, is this script etched in stone?" They're like, "Look, I mean, this play. We don't want to change the, you know, the structure of it, but there are elements you can change." Yeah. And I get that, yeah. of course. So they were very open to a lot of the changes, and um, and I think I think up until two weeks before shooting, only then that I started really loving it. Like I said, this is gonna be cool different i've never done something like this before and i started to get more excited so after we found the locations and the cast and the wardrobe and and everything just started coming together so um again actually the budget was quite similar to a to b it was a mm -hmm. low budget film but we wanted to make it look like a big budget studio mm -hmm. kind of film you know what i mean and and in terms of sound design in terms of visual effects in terms of you know the action pieces we wanted to end the music we wanted to have it, you know, have that kind of like, like presence, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, you would have this, you know, this huge community as yourself, myself and the local community and so forth. They would go to the cinema and they would watch these big action adventures, you know, the Hunger Games and the Divergence and so forth. Yeah. And so I'm like, why can't we have the Arab version of that? Yeah. You know, so, I mean, hopefully if this film does well theatrically, I mean, the film comes out day after tomorrow, yeah. um, we, we will hopefully have an opportunity to make it the first kind of trilogy kind of film like that. Right. Why not? I mean, yeah. we've opened... Yeah, there's we've a door opened, opener. Uh, there yeah. is a door opener. I've been very lucky in my career to be involved in a lot of landmarks for, for, um, for the industry um, where, I mean, not only is this the first post-apocalyptic Arab film, it's the first film to be sound mixed in Atmos, Dolby Atmos. Wow. And it's also the first Arab film to be on 40X. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Um, and so, yeah, so this is, it's lovely. You know, remember what I said earlier about we have to go through things for things to actually work? So, 
It's good that it's the first 4DX. Hopefully there'll be other 4DX. Hopefully there'll just be a first 3D film. Hopefully, you know, all these different formats would work. And yeah. you have to take these steps in order for to for an industry to develop. And uh, it's exciting times, man. Yeah. So since you started working, uh, you know, in the industry to now, like, have you, what have you seen in terms of like an evolution, something that you've noticed compared to when you were doing City of Life versus now, what, what do you think has changed? When I first started, I think it was one film or two films every two years. Yeah. We have, we're having several films a year now, which yeah. is really awesome. Um, we had even these films from filmmakers that I, I, haven't, I haven't met. I mean, we, we, we're quite close-knit, uh, you know, the filmmakers. Like, we know each other quite well. We have each other's phone numbers. We speak to each other. We, you know, we've been to the same events. Um, but there are films now coming out from people that have just started, and not only they've just started, they're actually making feature films yeah. that are getting theatrical releases, yeah. which is great. I mean, uh, you know, you have the the the, the Abu Dhabis uh, that have done quite well in the box office as well. You have the Hajwala yeah. uh, films that are, you know, so they have their audiences, like these niche audiences that are people going out and they're doing well. Yeah. Um, so. Even the fact is that last year alone, we there was three films produced. We just did a film with Mohammed Said Harab. We've got three films being produced this year, just through Image Nation alone. Yeah, you know, so it's it's amazing. It's 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 not been that long. I've been doing this since when? Well, two thousand nine was my first film, so it's actually. It's not been that long. Um, it's about, what, eight years? Yeah. Um, to see such change yeah. in eight years is, is wonderful. And I always said that. I always used to say that in the beginning. I'm like, as if some, some sort of a soothsayer. I'm like, ooh, in the next 10 years, you're going to see this change. It's happened before. Yeah. You know? That's so awesome. uh, it's exciting times, man. And I really hope that this continues. I guess the most important element is that if films... Mm -hmm start to make some form of return because if they don't in the next i, I guess next two years people are going to stop making the films yeah so we just need those you know the audiences to go to the theaters and watch the films um hopefully they will be happy with the stuff that we're producing if you were in charge of of making any change to the to the industry is there one thing that you would want to uh, change or see something being done better yeah uh, although Image Nation now is one of the, the sole companies that actually are funding films, I believe there should be others. I sh I sh there should be other funds. Other studios. You know, um, you, you can't, they can't just be responsible, single-handedly responsible for making films. So there needs to be some kind of like a governmental kind of fund, which just happens in Europe, you know, where there is some kind of taxation on ticket sales that can go towards this fund. And other things in arts and cultural... But also, if there could be some form of a system in place where if it was an Emirati film, they would have a minimum of leaving it in the cinema for three weeks. Right, that's a good idea. Because we do not have the budgets that those studio films have for marketing. So it might take first week for people to might notice it. Second week... You know, they might go, oh, it's not bad, and it'll be word of mouth. Third week, people start might be going to it. Yeah. So 
if it does well on the third week, it might continue to four, five, six weeks. Yeah. But if you don't give us a chance of three weeks of getting people to go to it, unless you remove it yeah. after three weeks. That's what I th- would hope would be in place. In Marathi cinema, would you say that there is one, like so far, like there's one way to define what kind of, what Emirati cinema is or do you think it's still kind of in its infancy where you, you think it's evolving? Emirati cinema is as diverse as the Emirates. It's just so diverse. I mean, yeah. the Emirates itself is diverse. So yeah. how, how can you have an industry that is focused on one thing? Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll give you an example. People would say that the worthy isn't necessarily an Emirati film. And I said, what's the argument on that? And I said, well, you know, there's not a really Emirati storyline. You don't have a lot of Emirati cast. Yeah, it's not really this, yeah, and you have that. I said, guy, guy, first of all, it's been funded by an Emirati company. It's been di- directed by Emirati. You've got two Emirati characters in there. If I, if an Emirati wanted to make an Arab-centric film, it's not Emirati. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. So there's this it's element. A limited approach to it, kind of it's, things. It's, it's, yeah, they said, no, there's this. And I'm like, look, worthy is an Emirati film. It's an Arab story, but it's an Emirati film. You have other films that are very Emirati-centric, you know, yeah. which is fine. Everyone would, can contribute to the Emirati industry. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Tomorrow I go out and I make an English-language film, and, 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 and let's say that film does well. I'm stepping up there as an Emirati. Yeah. Representing the UE. Which is what you want. Like it's, you know, it's, it's exactly. Like it's about trying to um, expand and, ex- and explore and diversify. Yeah. Do you feel like some of the expat filmmakers, you know, who were like one brought up here or something, like, you think there's a space for them to kind of, you know, because I think they have their own uh, diverse point of view. So you think there's a space for them uh, to be, you know, heard or, you know, supported in terms of uh, the stories they want to tell? Look, if they make a film in the UAE and yeah. they're from the UAE, not necessarily Marathi or not, yeah. that's a contribution towards the Marathi industry. Yeah. Regardless, yeah. you know. So, yes, of course they have a voice. Why not? Wherever you're from, you're from mm-hmm. Dubai, you're from Abu Dhabi, you're from a different part of the world, born and raised here. Make a movie, man. Make a movie and be part of this industry. This industry is growing. It's not there, but it's growing. So just to just to wrap up, uh, is, what what are your future future plans? Like, do you have any movie that you're already prepping, or is it too early to tell because you're still focused on on the worthy? Um, well, I just uh, produced a film uh, with Imagination for Mohammed Said Harb, so that's his first feature film, which is going to be pretty cool. I think it's it's a soul switch comedy called Rashid and Rajab yeah. uh, about um, an Emirati CEO. Uh, about to do the biggest deal of his life, um, who switches souls with an Egyptian food delivery guy, wow. and, and it's about the whole film is about how they're trying to like switch back uh, their lives yeah. to make it work, and so that's it's pretty funny. And Mohammed did a fantastic job as a as a first time filmmaker. Yeah, I can um, see that material kind of being something he could really play yeah, with and, absolutely, yeah, and movies. and he made it his own. Um, and look, I mean, I have a. A film that I'd like to do. It's in fact, it's probably going to be the lowest budget film that I've ever done. People are going to think, "Why are you going lower and lower and lower?" <laughs> uh, because I because I want to show that again, you can try, make a film for next to nothing that is half decent. And I want to, and it's an idea that I've uh, that I've been I've come across mm. that I think could be really well as a very Imanati centric film. Like what they've done with you know the Hajwalas and uh, uh, the Hayy Abu Dhabis, where 
it's catered to an Imalati audience only, okay. but for a very low budget. And uh, that's something I'm looking at trying to see maybe if I can achieve this year. If I can't, there are other things in the pipeline. And I'm very lucky after the Worthy that I've managed to get representation in uh, Los Angeles with uh, UTA. Wonderful. So I have an agent there and I get scripts being sent to me all the time um, to see if... It's an interesting process. It's like going back to the commercial industry because what you do is you get a script, you might like it, then you have to then pitch yourself to do, be a director for it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so that's a, it's a whole process. It's a whole different world over there in Hollywood. Yeah. So, so yeah, I just want to try and uh, maybe do one more, I guess, Arab-centric kind of film before maybe doing my uh, first proper English language film. Yeah. Uh, and just a final question. Do you have any advice for, uh, you know, filmmakers from the UAE who are like listening to this or they want to kind of do pretty much the same kind of stuff that you want to do? Yeah. Definitely. Um, if you've managed to get to the end of this podcast, uh, <laughs> the the the, well the, yeah. the yeah, well done to that. But also, you can tell that it's not easy. If you want to choose, if you're on the fence about becoming a filmmaker and say having saying that this is a sustainable career, you have to be a little bit crazy in your head to take that jump. And if you do take that jump you have to be completely committed and say, this is what I want to do. If you're passionate, if you have perseverance, and if you have patience, as you can tell from everything that I probably had gone through, you will get there eventually. I don't think I'm there yet, but you will get there. Uh, thank you so much for speaking to me, and I hope Bodhi does well at the box office. I think I see trailers I so, everywhere. Man. I see posters everywhere. So I'm sure it's, it's, it's going to do well. And I yeah, hope so. Thanks for speaking to me, man. Thank, thank you, you, Faisal. Thank you. All right, that's it. That was our conversation with Ali F. Mustafa. He was gracious and pleasant enough to give me his time uh, and speak about personal things. And, uh, and I hope you guys had some value in this conversation. And uh, the next episode, I don't know when the next episode is going to come out, to be honest, but I'm working on it. I'm working on a number of really cool guests that I have in mind that I'm going to be trying to speak to. And it just depends on the schedule. So what I would recommend is you follow the podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or whatever your favorite podcasting app is, because I'm going to try to put it out there in a lot of different platforms. Or follow me on Twitter at Faisal Hashmi, where I will be updating when my new episode comes out. And a very special thanks to audio engineer Kane Rodriguez, uh, who helped me, guided me to recording this podcast and mixing it and uh, just help me figure this whole podcasting situation out and if you like this podcast if you liked what you heard uh, all I ask you is like share it around share it with your friends share it on social media anybody that you think would benefit from it benefit from hearing these things because I have a limited reach but if you have friends or film students that you think could benefit from this just share it around um, and I hope you had a good time and I hope to see you in the next episode <laughs>